I'm going to sit on my couch. All right, y'all. Thank you for joining the social media family for another installment of the Lessons from David series. Now, we're getting kind of close to the end. We are on lesson 18 tonight. And the title, the subtitle of tonight's lesson is The Root of All Sin. The Root of All Sin. All right, now, when you hear that, what comes to mind? The root of all sin. All right, we got pride as one. Anything else? <clears throat> Not trusting God. Now, see, Julie looking at the cliff notes. <laughs> see, I'm trying to elongate this thing. And she, <clears throat> she goes right to the, to, right right to the point. I'm sorry. Right? But really, you know, when we talk about the root of something, right, we're talking about is base, is foundation, all right? And Terry mentioned pride, and Julie said not trusting God. So aren't the aren't the aren't, aren't the two intertwined, right? Elevating yourself above God, yes. Self-centeredness, okay. Self-centeredness. So looking at the outline, it says the root of all sin is the fact that you aren't trusting God. He is missing you, depending on Him. You're going about obtaining your needs in an ungodly manner, contrary to his instruction. All right, now, before I read this next point, what are some ways where we trust in our own understanding more than God's word? Like, what are some areas that, that jump out at you? Money. Yeah, the first thing. Yeah. Money. All right. All right. Anything else? The big thing today, I would think, and I mean, there's a double thing that I'm going to say to this, is trying to find a mate. But, and that's saying from a single woman's perspective who's a church goer, you know, a Christian. But however, I mean, like, as in, like, trusting God with it, not even going, you know. Like really going to God now, just say it that way. But yeah, that is what we try to do by ourselves. So. Yes. <clears throat> All right, money, finding a mate. Anything else? Um, I I would say, you know, refer again to our situation in that um, um, praise report. Um, once you raise your children, let them go. I would say not letting them go after you raise them, not letting them go is an area that you're not trusting God if you don't do. Whereas after you raise them, you got to let them go and then trust in what that scripture gene mentioned, uh, train them up in the way you should go when they were wanting to part. So I don't know how you want to word that, but yeah. Okay. In raising your kids, you definitely need the Holy Ghost for that. Right, I said you're calling too. You're calling. Okay. That's four. Okay. All right. All right. Everything. All right. Everything. All right. Now I want want us to kind of flesh this stuff out though. So, but first, let's go to Proverbs three. Very famous scripture. Proverbs 3. 
<clears throat> okay. All right. Are we going to start at verse 1? And I'll read this in the old school King James here. All right. It says, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. For length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the, tab the table of thy heart. So shalt thou find favor and good understanding in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways. Acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord, and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel, and marrow to thy bones. So we're real familiar with the, this set of scriptures, you know, especially verse 5. Now, knowing this scripture... And walking it out of two different things, mm -hmm. you know. So, like, cause, like, like, we all know life are challenges. It'll challenges. Now, let me see. Now, the first, the first thing we mentioned was money. Okay. Now, when we talk about finances, recent, you know, material resources, how do we follow this? in a practical way, verse five. Now, cause some people say, well, yeah, all you got to do is make sure you pay your tithes and you don't have to worry about anything. Is that true or false? False. That's false. If you're not doing it, trusting God, like really doing it, if you're doing it, just, well, I'm just, you know, pay my tithes, you know, like a checklist thing, you know, then. And there's wisdom in the abundance of counselors. You talk to people that know how to handle money, and you can get them to teach you how to handle money. Because money usually is your priorities. Yeah. Because there are people that don't make 15 cents and they'll go out and buy a new Mercedes and, and just, you know, break their back trying to make payments. <coughs> yeah. They have nothing else. So it's not wisdom. So you mean to tell me I can't just blood bucket plump? I that's all because like, they say he say trust the Lord. Give and it shall be given unto thee, press down, shaking the other, running over. Isn't that all it is to it? No, the scripture that trumps every scripture is be led. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I've heard it said before too, you know, and, and I know this has been probably such a bad taste in people's mouths over Christianity, speaking of money, right, is like, we're, you know, be like prosperity ministers, and even good ones who really are, you know, teaching good, they'll be prospering, and then their followers won't be so much, mm -hmm. and then we finally figured after all those years, mom and I talked about everything, that the folks who were listening, they weren't really getting it in their heart, you know, because it was just being taught, oh, just do this, and this happens, instead of I love where Andrew does it, where Andrew Walmack does it. Thank you, brother. You know, that um, he gets to the heart. Like we're talking about here, you know, that you know, give out of your heart. And then 
that's where God, you know, prospers you. And the tithe can be deceiving. Some people th drop that 10% in and think, that's it. I'm good. Yeah. I'm covered. Checklist. Like, yeah. And, and yeah. They, now that I've paid my tithe, I don't have to give nothing else to anybody. Yeah. So they shut themselves off from other people. And there's no heart. In and this. and uh, the truth is, if you have a relationship with the Lord, and then you give as you're led, then things start to happen in your exactly. life. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because we're in a conduit. We were on our way here. We were actually talking on Bluetooth with Sue here. We were chatting about different things, talking about God and stuff, and different, you know, scenarios. And I was talking, I said, you know, we're talking about the um, cookie cutter thing, you know, with Christianity. And if it worked for one person with God, it may not work for the other. And I got to talk about, like, you know, like dating, finding a mate. Like we just said a little bit ago, one of the examples. And I go, you know, one thing that can help somebody will kill another, you know. And some of the things that were taught in my youth group, I really believe. You know, I've said before, my counselors, the um, youth leaders meant good, but it was, this is the way to go. Mm -hmm. Everybody has to do it. And there was no room for, God, what do you want me to do? And that'll kill you, you know, and then that's yeah. not God's plan for you, you know. Right. So, yeah, okay. definitely seeking God over stuff. Okay. All right. So, is it is it wrong or is it okay for a believer to own businesses and have uh, financial managers that's fine yeah. as long as they don't have you as long as you have them this depends on your spiritual condition and where you're at it is it's the thing that andrew always listening to he goes if he can get it to you and get it through you he'll get it to you and that's why i said the conduit thing it's getting something through you he goes He's got abundant. He wants to give it to you in this hand, but he wants to make sure you give it out the other hand, and you're in the middle, so all your needs can be taken care of. Because that's where we got to get to trust that God. You know, get it. He's going to give you power to get wealth, which so means we got to go do something to make the wealth, and he gives us power to do it. But it's getting it through you and make sure you keep, you know, just giving it from a free heart. Because he'll give you plenty as long as you're ready to give it away. It's like, don't be a, like a dam. It's just... I heard Keith Moore say that uh, the Lord told him one time to give a substantial amount of money to a guy that he did not know. And, and he said he, he did it. And he went back to the Lord and said, why did you tell me? I don't hardly know that man. And the Lord said, I, there was 20 other people ahead of you. And you. He said, and none of, them would, none of them would give him the finances I want him to have. He said, and I knew you would. Yeah, he said, I knew you would. So he got to Keith and Keith did it. But he questioned why, because he hardly knew the guy. I don't think he knew him at all. And I don't I think don't that's remember. wrong either. You can question the Lord, which is yeah. with a, you know, like Mary did. Remember the idea about Mary? She goes, why would you ask me? Nevertheless. Not, why are you asking me? It was nevertheless, right? Being on me. Whatever you say, I'm ready. Mm -hmm. This is where I think a lot of ministers have let people down, and I don't have the answer for it. <coughs> Pretty much when they need something. They let their their needs be made known to the congregation, the churches I've been in, because everybody wants to bless the pastor. So that always gets out. Pastors believe in the And if so if they need something, and Andrew, if we get another letter from Andrew asking for more money, we are already maxed out supporting him, but we get letter after letter. Could you add this on? Could you add that on? You know? So 
How does he get his needs met? He sends out letters, and God told him, the people are your source. Well, God's the source. People are channels, all right? So God said, you know, when he needed, this is just a letter we got a few weeks ago. God said, I already told you, the people. Well, I don't have a mailing list. The Bible says when I need something, I have to make my needs known unto God. I can't, I don't have a website. And I've had, I've had a minister contact me saying he needed surgery and he didn't have any insurance and he was asking for people to pay for it. Do I have a mailing list? When he goes on, <laughs> see, there's just, there's a kind of a double standard there, which I think has hurt the church. Because yeah. the, the, the people in the church, they let the congregation know what their needs are. Well, where, where we, what do we do? We have to get it from God to give it to them. I don't think there's really a lot of good Do as teaching. I say, not as I do comes to mind. Okay. All right. Now y'all starting some trouble now. <laughs> not, not meaning to, but I'm saying there's, there's lack of understanding talk about. Yeah. Yeah. in the body of Christ because that, this is why people go do GoFundMe and that kind of stuff yeah. because they don't really know. We've, we've had quite a few things before the Lord that we've been believing for for 20 years financially and haven't seen it. And we are huge givers. You know, so there's... Okay, now this is good. This is good to talk about this. Because, you know, there's this disparity between, you know, people that are in the body that are, we, we I guess we would be considered the ground troops, right? Versus the, the general, so to speak. The generals can is okay, is considered okay for them to see the people as the source of the finances, right? But is it now where does the individual believer where what community do they go to when there's a need? Now, I would say, if you're part of a small group, smaller church, small you know ministry, the people that are there are the channel, are supposed to be the channel blessing, right, from one for another. So, but the thing about it is, you know, we got, when you have ministry that, that are just supersized, that are extending throughout the globe. That stuff takes um, such a exorbitant amount of money to keep that going. That you know, you there, there. It has to be kind of it. It has to be made known that hey, these are these needs are necessary for the the, the amount of finances to come in to keep this thing going. Now, there are a lot of people that hate that. They say there should be no such thing as mega ministry or mega church or anything like that. Now, that's not, that's above my pay grade. That's way above my pay grade. But we know we don't serve a small God neither. Right. Right. 
But how do we reconcile all that? Because I know a woman who went to a small church, and and she very modest wages. She gave every time the plate came, gave all the time, and then when she had a need, there was never a single time that anybody in that church helped her. And we started going there, remember, and she needed glasses. And we're just awestruck that nobody, she'd been there 20 some years. Come on, somebody pass an envelope. Let's get there some glasses, you know. Right. We're passing an envelope to get the pastor a fancy watch for his birthday. Isn't this more important? Never. So we ended up getting her glasses and false teeth. Did they know she needed glasses too? Yeah. Yeah, because she left them on her car in the church parking lot and drove off and they fell. And everybody Damn. knew that. It's just... Yeah. What if it comes from the foundations in our society of we're kind of celebrity driven in America, you know? Anyway, and it kinda of, it, it kinda of gets in the church it's like the pastor or the prophet instead of like looking around at each other and going, yeah. Hey, we're all, you know, important. Mm -hmm. Maybe possibly the culture mind, you know. Oh, that's good. That's okay. In okay. our little group we've been able to, you know, help her with buying hearing aid. But there's only, with eight of us, there's only so much money that we take in. So if people have these huge needs. When I had, the, when I had the radio, when I had a radio program, I used to teach that the pastor of any church should make the average money of the average family in that church. And then by his by, by what he does, he can show them how to prosper. If he's making the same money they are, he can show them and said, tell them, he can show them. Kind of I bet she stepped on a lot of time. And, and, and uh, yeah. people hated me for it. But that, but you know, it goes back to trusting in the Lord mm -hmm. because people will fail us all the time. Mm -hmm. They shouldn't. They should do that. But right. welcome to I'm 61 years old. So been around a while. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Your expectations go way down when you get my age. I still got them. So I'm trusting in the Lord. <laughs> I still got expectations that I'm saying. No, but I don't expect. I mean, if you're expecting people, it's it's not a negative thing. It's more of a realistic. I'm a I'm a positive realist. I heard of well, I I heard a preacher. I, I heard a preacher say, you know, when it comes to people, expect nothing and appreciate everything. That's a good point. Yeah, because. But when it comes to God. Expect everything mm -hmm. and praise him for everything yeah. because he got it all. So ultimately, it's that way, you know, we trust in the Lord. That's what we were talking about, but you it, know, and it may take longer because he told, he told people, exactly. 20 people, and none of them would do it. So that yeah. answers your question. And, and I say, I like this because now, now we getting practical because didn't now somebody can come back and say, you know, didn't Jesus say, Ask and it mm -hmm. shall be given. Mm -hmm. Seeking, yeah. you shall find. Yeah. Knocking the door shall be open. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and that's a case that you know people can make in reference to the types of needs and appeals that you make in ministry or just as as a person that needs help. Because if you don't, if you if a person doesn't know you need help, then how are they gonna help you? Unless unless they they are that sharp and sensitive spiritually that the Holy Spirit can talk to them directly. But of course, you're talking about you know that's that that's not the average believer. 
right? So, but I like what, what Julie said about the whole celebrity thing. Because it's in and it goes back to what we talked about here before when you talk about the model for ministry where you have this superstar CEO pastor, the set man. And then after that, you got the, you know, the the board was the deacon board, or the elder board. And then it's just everybody else after that. Right. This, this spiritual class system, which Jesus said that he hated in Revelation. Right. But if that's the type of model that we have, I mean, doesn't that sound like the culture? We have a serfs and, and, you know, peasants. And then you have the idols, the people that we watch on TV and that we watch dribble and, and, and throw a football. Right? They're here. Then the rest of the peasants are here. So obviously, if if I if that type of mindset and, and, and philosophy on life is transported from the world to the church, then the way we we handle, we think about finances and finances and ministry is gonna be the same way. Okay. I know it's uh oh. Go ahead. <laughs> um, when I used to go to church, they would have a benevolent offering, you know. So it was an offering for those who were in need within the body, you know, um, so that if someone needed help with a bill or, you know, glasses, for instance, or something, you know, there was the funds there that everybody contributed to so that everybody could be blessed who were in need. And it just reminds me of when Acts, you know, when the Holy Spirit came, the apostles and everybody put everything in a bucket so that everybody had everything in common, that nobody was left out. That's good. There's a church in Norfolk where they do that, and they pay off they pay off people's mortgages. They pick one person, and they all the benevolent money goes till that mortgage is paid off. Then we go to another person. I heard them on the radio a lot. Wow. That's amazing. That's cool. That's cool. Our church we used to go to we. We had a lot of difficulties in some other ways, personally and emotionally, but they did usually, at one time, they appreciated us. We were very dedicated. And one time, they decided to, they paid for mom's tires on her single mom car. It was a 1987 commercial. It was an awesome single mom car, but it was a lot of, needed a lot of work. And like, you know, we prayed about it, Mary. You were always here. You're when the doors open. You do this, that. We're paying for the tires. And they paid for our tires. So. That's cool. That was cool. Yeah. But see, that's the type of stuff we need to hear more about. Yep. Right? Right. But of course, the world ain't going to put that on blast. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. They're going to talk about, you know, the televangelist that got the mm -hmm. half a million dollar uh, Rolls Royce and all that type of stuff. Yeah. They want to they blow that up. They don't want to talk about that type of stuff that y'all just mentioned. Yeah. Because that is Book, book of Acts type stuff. Mm -hmm. yeah. and, that, and see, and we talking about Leaning not to our own understanding and all this, you know, trusting the Lord. See that it is not easy when you in a position where, okay, you you pastor, you know, leader in, in ministry, and 
you know, okay, the people they are asking for a, a building that, that that has all the creature comforts and all this type of stuff. That stuff costs money. Mm-hmm. That stuff costs money. But yet, you know, you got people in that community they got needs too. People that need they light bill, they need help with their light bill, they need food, you know, they need some help with this water bill, all this type of stuff, on the with childcare, all this type of stuff. So if you're not in a position where you, you know, you are putting it out there before the Lord and leaning on them, that those pressures, they're gonna talk to you. And the more people that are coming in that building, the more electricity they burn, more AC it take, all that type of stuff. I mean, just practically talking. So doesn't this kind of help us to understand the, the need that we have for each other to keep each other built up in faith? In reference to you know our, our prayer lives and, and all that, you know, listening to the comments, testimonies, and um, you know, it's I haven't a church that I was a have been affiliated with where I you know give on a regular. I've never really far as financially gotten directly from them. I haven't asked, but I guess in some situations, you know, you know, getting laid off a job or something like that, get indirectly asked, like, you all right? You know, it's like, that's such a loaded question. Yeah, I'm okay. But I've never had, but the body of Christ it's like I have had people give to me, but it never was, never anything directly from a church I was associated with. And sometimes, and I'm, and I'm gonna say this is the body of Christ, but it's from people who I never associated with the body of Christ give. So whether it's the body of Christ, whether they're future believers, believers, or God just putting something on some unbeliever's heart, I don't know. But it would always come in packages or ways that I never expected to come. And so I've gotten over the past 20 years or whatever, I've gotten kind of used to that. And, but it, I guess on the, if, if you look at it negatively, I'll say like, in the church, you know, the glasses story sounds pretty familiar. You know, lady needing glasses and people knowing it, nobody doing nothing. But on the other side, good side is, it is strengthening my relationship with God when I just kind of really, me and Stacey been kind of going directly to him, you know, mm-hmm. and then something would happen, you know, whether it's on somebody's heart or just some things kind of just transpire where I'm working or 
And I take that to be from God. I'm like, okay, no, it ain't just this business just fortunate that they are blessed, you know, and they made the right moves. I'm looking at it like, okay, I'm working here. God made some them financially successful because, and I'm not the only believer there, and because they were successful, then they blessed us too. I was uh, with a pastor 40 years ago, and they were starting a building program. And he got up and said, how many of you would be willing to give if it's money that you're not expecting? In other words, your paycheck you keep, anything that's supposed to come in that you're expecting, you keep. But anything over and above that, you'd be willing to give. Well, almost everybody raised their hands. In other words, if money just falls in my lap, I, and, and I'm, I'm not expecting it, I'll give it to him. He was getting four or 5,000 bucks a week. From the congregation, from God just pouring unexpected money into people's hands. I thought that was really cool. Mm. That's cool. It is. Yes. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if you ever need a topic to mention, you start talking about money. Folk gonna have something to say about that. I'm trying to tell you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, and it because and, and I'm let's go to first Timothy six. Another very famous scripture here. <clears throat> okay. All right. Let me see. I'm going to start. Start at verse three. No, I'll start at verse. Yeah, I'll start at verse three. All right, First Timothy six three, reading down to ten. It says in the New Living, it says some people may contradict our teaching. But these are the wholesome teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. These teachings promote a godly life. Anyone who te teaches something different is arrogant and lacks understanding. Such a person has an unhealthy desire to quabble over the meaning of words. This stirs up arguments ending in jealousy, division, slander, and evil suspicions. These people always cause trouble. Their minds are corrupt. And they have turned their backs on the truth. To them, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. Yet, true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with, with many sorrows. <coughs> <coughs> now, 
Now, again, the subtitle of our lesson tonight is the root of all sin. <clears throat> now, we look at verse 10, and we see Tim, Timothy, Paul talking to Timothy, saying, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, if you think back at, just think about the various atrocities and the things throughout our history. Not just in this country, but in the world. What is one common thread in a lot of these the wars and the things that the atrocities and things that have happened? Somebody's getting rich. <coughs> War makes lots of people very wealthy. Yeah. Okay. Money, because I go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say the version I was looking at. It says, "For the love of money is the root of all evil." Yeah. The Amplified says it's a root of all evils. So basically, do you see that word root there? Let me look at, let's look at what the Strong's is. All right. Thayer says, a root, that which like a root springs from a root, a sprout, a shoot, or by metaphor, offspring or progeny. So the birthplace, the offspring <coughs> of evil, the being the love of money. I was in a meeting and I heard a preacher say, this is what Howard Hughes died. So I can tell you to the penny how much money Howard Hughes left. And everybody got quiet and leaned forward. And he got, he got, he got everybody's attention. And then he said, he left every penny. <laughs> he took nothing with him. <laughs> Yeah, that's true. And but that's 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 the thing, though, right? When you're here, when you're living, the deception is that you. This is something that you're gonna just you're gonna have forever. Yeah, have all the time forever, right? But it's for a moment. So is it you know is it worth? Jeopardizing eternity for. No. <clears throat> no. Okay. Man, we just we we just stuck on this one. <laughs> Let me move to the next one. All right. Because again, we're talking about the root of all evil, right? And we've based on what the, the outline said and just all understanding of the word, the root of all of, of evil being <clears throat> the distrust of God, not trusting him, but being independent instead of dependent. Right. right. So the next one we were talking about, um, Julie mentioned finding a mate. Now we be more, be a little more blunt 
we could talk about just companionship and sexual desire, right? Now, God's prescribed way to get that fulfilled is what? Marriage. Within the marriage covenant, right? But of course, how many in the culture will agree with that with with that idea? Five percent. Oh, is that high? <laughs> <laughs> that high? I don't know. That might be a little high. All right. Let's let's go to Proverbs five. <clears throat> Can I throw in something that just dawned on me that? Mm -hmm. Um, because I um I'm like oh, okay. If people are not if they're following their calling in God, I think that's the problem. Why they don't have any money? Because those, you know, I thought of all those people, if they were seeking God for their calling, you know, like then they should be prospering. So I thought I'd throw that out like, huh, maybe that's why. And I'm not saying people don't have issues. They lose their job or this and that. But, you know, God, we're trusting God and he gets us back on track. But mm. of all those people, how many people are not prospering? Because how many people do you know are seeking God for their calling, which isn't your financial based on your calling? Like if God's got to provide for you, so... I don't really know. But the word says he'll supply all your need, not all your wants. Sometimes you have to separate your wants, your wants and needs out. But how many people in church that we've been to saw God and are following their calling? My yeah. answer is maybe the pastors, but almost none. I mean, some of the pastors ain't. Well, there you go. So <laughs> that was my like. They would be pros, you know. They right. would be pros. But that's that's a good. But you you know you you're talking you're speaking to a biblical principle though, right? I am. Yeah. Most, most of us, our callings are not on the pulpit or in the church. Our pulp, our, our our callings are out on the street, at the gas station, the supermarket, in the workplace. That's where your calling is for almost yeah. everybody. Because think about it, what Scripture says that it is the Lord that gives the power. To get wealth. So there, there's there's a gifting, there's something in you mm -hmm. that is meant to bless the world. Mm -hmm. Right. And and if if we are sensitive to the Lord, the voice the voice of the Lord, then you know he can use that gift to be a blessing to the world. And then there's some some natural benefit that comes from that. So, you know, that's a real that's a, that's that's a, a good connection. Now, that's not to say that <clears throat> once you find your calling, that the money is just gonna cash in and that thing is gonna it's gonna come in like that. But you are putting yourself in position. But you're doing what you need to do, right? You know, you're obeying, you're doing all you, you know, trust right. in the Lord. But did you know? But everybody's situation is is different. They're different variables that are that can hinder a person's prosperity from being what the Lord, the Lord desires for it to be. Yeah, John 10, 10. Right. Because <laughs> the thief the thief comes to do what? To 
steal, kill, and destroy. So there's an enemy that's trying to steal your bag, so to speak. Everybody's store. You can't let him in. But see, when it comes to trust, I think, I mean, people say, well, I trust God, but when it don't make no sense, Mm -hmm. then, okay, are you still going to trust him? Because I think it's easy to trust God when you can see, okay, a, you know, okay, A, B, C, and fall. Okay, I can see it, mm-hmm. how it's going to work out. Right. But then you trust God when you have no idea. He just gave you a word, just like Abraham. Go, and I tell you, when you get there, I tell you. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. Mm-hmm. Now, that take faith. That take faith. You, you got you a good job. And then the Lord tell you to move. Mm-hmm. And that's all you hear. And you got about four or five kids at home. Mm-hmm. You go tell your wife, the Lord told me to move. He told you what? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, what? Did, you, did you eat some bad pizza last night or something? Mm-hmm. He needs to tell me too. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But I'm saying people, and then when you say things like, or you in a situation like that, you know, people who don't not very spirited, they would try to talk you out of mm-hmm. what you know God said. It's mm-hmm. like, wait, no, no, no. Do he really say to you? Because that don't make no sense. You know, how you gonna do that? You know, or why are you going that way? Why are you going over there? So and you don't know nobody over there. So mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, the flip side of that is you you, you you need to know that you're hearing God for yourself. Right. Instead of trying to be a copycat testimony. Yeah. You know? Because yeah. it's, it's one thing between the difference between faith, foolishness, and presumption. Mm-hmm. Right. See, we can't get off this money thing. But I heard somebody say. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll get us back on track because you know what when you said Abraham. How did Isaac get his bride? I love it. Boom, 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 boom. Go do this. Then you'll see a woman blah blah. I love it. Yeah. That was fun. That was good. That's good. But see, that's what we're just talking about. Then somebody in our culture is like, oh well, um, God said did, to do this and this all worked out for this, so we're gonna write a book about it. Everybody's gotta read that book. And that's the way everybody's gonna get their me. No. <laughs> Because mm-hmm. we just said cookie cutter stuff. Get out of it. God may tell you stay on the corner and your mate's going to walk by. Oh, but well, that worked for him. Man. We got to do that. Everyone used to fall around like, oh, but that worked. I'll do that. Now ask God what you want me to do for yeah. our mate. So you yeah, start a, a, a corner ministry, then you might you might start getting some different type of attention. <laughs> That's what that I'm saying. But the thing, I mean, <laughs> but we need to ask ourselves because we said, you know, you walk by faith. But well, are you walking by faith or are you walking by feedback? Mm. That's good. because a lot of times that's that makes sense. What we call faith, okay, we won't, but I want feedback because if I get the right feedback, then I'm gonna step out. If I don't get the right feedback, mm-hmm. that's right. All right, mm-hmm. now see, I'm I'm gonna steal that, and put that on cup. Yeah, that's good though. Are you walking my faith? I'm walking by feedback. Oh, that's good. Love it. That's I'm good. I'm buying the first one. That's good. <laughs> All right. All right. Now, would, we- um, go ahead. I was just going to ask, would 
I guess with Gideon, I think it was Gideon, would that be considered? He's the one that asked for some proof or whatever or feedback in what yeah. he believed God was yeah, telling that's him. Good, that's good, Kevin. The yeah. dew on the place. Dry yeah. ground or wet. Uh, right. Yeah. And that oil. And the thing about that is, though, it, it, it is it's encouraging, though. It's encouraging, though, because, you know, God met him where he was. Right. I mean, this man, he has a sin. He has a sincere heart, but there's still you fighting some doubt there. Mm -hmm. Right. Because the question he asked was, he said, well, Lord, if you. um." If you witness with me, why all these things happen? You know, he kind of ionized this going on, this going on. So he's like, okay, based on what I see, you don't look like you, you with us because the Mennonites pretty much kicking our butt. And they didn't have the Holy Spirit back then. So no. David would have to get the ephod and talk, ask the ephod questions and get to go ahead and mm -hmm. do certain things. Yeah. All right. We're looking at Proverbs 5. Oh, yeah. That's right. And I'm going to start at verse 15. All right. And go, go down to verse 20. In the New Living Translation, it says, Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Why spill the water of your springs in the streets, having sex with just anyone? You should reserve it for yourselves. Never share it with strangers. Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. She is a loving deer and a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you always be captivated by her love. Why be captivated, my son, by an immoral woman? Or fondle the breast of a promiscuous woman? All right, so we got Solomon here sharing wisdom about the. He's a guy with 500 watts. Right? He didn't practice what he <laughs> preached. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Not very much. Ooh, now, now see, now, now you, now I'm hearing that. Now, if I'm a young believer, I'm hearing that. Just because he said it doesn't mean it's. He had, he had wives that built idols up on top of the mountains, yeah. and some of his children were sacrificed to Baal. So, I mean, you got to figure well, he went way off the tracks. Yeah. He backslid. Yeah. 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 And, but see, but the thing about it is, though, okay, now, let's say I'm a young, I'm a young believer. I hear that. And this, this is what really happened to Solomon. And you try to pre you you telling me this, and I say, okay, is this really realistic? Ain't this just fairy tales? This ain't how the world really works. Come on, even the man that wrote this had about a thousand women. But look at the end of his life. You know the regret he didn't do. He didn't do what he knew was right. He was totally backslidden at the end of his life. Solomon. 
this true, you know, testimony and stuff. And I guess the thing that I know read this, but I was thinking, I mean, this is definitely, you know, what I was going to say too, is um, I got to think about something I watched last night in like, like YouTube videos and stuff. And it wasn't, it wasn't a Christian based thing, but it was about like kind of like a political, social type of stuff. And mm-hmm. it was a gentleman, he had documented a woman who he, he had documented her video. She had did, she had documented herself in the separation and divorce and how great it was because she was tired of being just mm-hmm. a wife and a mother and it didn't have to be cheating or anything involved. It's just she just she was tired of her home. And she just life. wanted her fun and at like fifty something years old. And anyways, it shows her go from oh I'm so excited. Oh got my handsome boyfriend making dinner to oh I'm traumatized. My ex husband's with somebody now to I am empty, I'm dead, you know. And anyways the guy's talking on it and at the end and he kept kind of making fun of her video too. And at first, he's being such a jerk, but you know what it was? I mean, you know, like he was getting to her words a little too much because I did agree with him, but she ultimately did not learn a lesson. But this is what he said. He goes, he's talking to men and I'm not a man, but I'm listening to what this guy is saying. It's not even like a Christian guy. He's saying men do not fear marriage. They fear divorce. And I thought about it. I said, you know, this is where the enemies come to kill, so kill, steal, kill, and destroy. Is I go... You know, it's like marriage, that's God's ultimate plan for, you know, companionship, sex, everything, you know, for finding somebody. And I go, you know, the enemy's going to make it look bad, you know. He don't want it to look good. And then you see all these people walking around not married. And, of course, sometimes I think there are folks out there who are like, I just don't want to do it, you know. Or I'm just whatever. But I think some people are really scared and they've been broken, you know, and afraid. I had a, I had a co-worker of mine one time, and I'm telling you, I would have paid my customer that came up to my register, I've told mom, to go to self-checkout. I would have paid them whatever they wanted just to hear her reasoning, but she's not married. She has children with somebody. And anyways, she was telling me in another coworker, just kind of girl to girl, she was going like, you know, and I'll swear to y'all, she goes, y'all going to think I'm crazy, but the reason I will not marry the man she's with, living with, and they seem happy, you know, and I'm thinking, what's she going to say? I want to hear, you know, I'm, I figure things out like that. I never did hear it because she goes, Julie, she goes, you have a customer. I go, oh, and I'm like, dang, I wanted to hear it. But I go, I know it's going to be something, something in the heart, some emotional thing. And I go, oh, my God, you know. But isn't she the same one that said that it's just a piece of paper? Or is it a different Might be different, yeah. But it's, yeah. She, with the gym, another one that talked about it said, why marry him? It's just a piece of paper. Yeah, I have. It, yeah, I've had I mean, so many stories, you know. Where I was, you I him, get married you let him get interested in somebody else and watch how fast she believes in marriage. I've seen it over and over again. People that are like that. Oh, I know. I agree with you. I used to counsel with people. That's the reason. I worked at the car dealership. And all the girls would go through the same thing. They fall in love. They fall in love. They move in with somebody. And somewhere between (coughs) three years and five years, they fell out of love. And either the guy or the girl left. And they would come to me and say, I'm going through all this. And I said, you've been married three times. They said, I've never been married. I said, well, you live with three different guys. You've been married three times in my book. And you've been divorced three times. That's why you're suffering like you are. And uh, it is. It is. But it's just a, yeah, it's just a thought. The thing is, like you know, this is God's plan, and we're supposed to trust Him, and it's the best. But Satan's made it look so bad. When you live with somebody and they walk out on you, you've gone through a divorce. Oh yeah. I mean, that definitely. And to your question, you could explain to someone this is God's ideal, to and protect, Solomon believed this you. when he wrote this, but. He didn't. He didn't, follow, he didn't through. follow through, and look at the disaster. Look what happened in his life. That's, look at well, the he tragedy. Got, he got five thousand extras in case things went bad. 
he had some place to go. You know? Yeah. I was going to say, it's true. I mean, you think the word is inspired. If you're going to put it in there, there's a reason why. Showing you what should be, what it's, we all have a choice to make. With oh, no, all, the, all that's true. Oh, I mean, Solomon Solomon had a lot of good stuff going near near the end is when he had big problems. Yeah, yeah. Well, see, when you look at this, you know, and speaking to what she's talking about, and I guess his question is, the believer or the or even the unbeliever is the outside looking like, okay, you believe it. Okay, why should I believe it worked if it didn't work for you? Because you know, you divorced or you didn't work for you. So I wouldn't have believed before. Yeah, but I was just saying, yeah, right. you know, in some right. cases it's right. you, you know you're looking at believers I was, and, and, they look at them as a whole and, and people tell me you get divorced, and I said, Yeah, but I never divorced anybody. Somebody divorced me. I never went to court and divorced anybody. I wouldn't sign the papers for divorce. And it made her mad because so I wouldn't sign the papers. You know, I see, but, but the Lord wouldn't let me go that route. In in Judah's age, because you know, I I got child her age, and I see her culture, and it's they're like marriage, and I know what you're talking about. I got a coworker, you know, it's just a piece of paper, and I'm saying my thing is okay, it's a piece of paper, but I see you do understand that it's a piece of paper, but you know that piece of paper, if you you had a piece of paper. If something should happen to that person, everything attached to them goes to you. And if you, got if you don't have that piece of paper, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. So, and I know Carl's story where they left broke. If they're dying, yeah. you can't even go to the hospital and, and right. see them or make, make hey, a so You living in their house and your name's not on the deed? Okay, you got to get out. Yep. My thing was with this co-worker years ago, mom had mentioned, she'd said it, I uh, mean, she had mentioned, I, I remember this girl telling me that, and, but see, in my mind, just, you know, just perception here, you know, just uh, a view or angle here, I wanted so bad to rise up in me, and I was in my early 20s, but behind the years, I wanted to go, like, hadn't had any relationship at all, but, you know, I didn't, no dating thing or whatever that's what it was, but I go, I want to go, oh, I want to tell her how good marriage is and how big God is, and it's a blessing from him and a gift. And I'm like, for one, I have no testimony of that. And I go, <laughs> does the church really? You know, I mean, I've heard there's worse right. worse in the church than it is in the world. So right. I, go, I had nothing to say to her. I'm like, I have no defense. <laughs> Do you think that stems back to, I know very few couples probably get premarital counseling, but if you really understood that you're entering into a covenant, I believe and that. what that covenant means. Mm -hmm. There's so much more to marriage than the practical, legal, everyday stuff. Yes. And if you really understood that, maybe it would make a difference. And when you know nobody's leaving, you, we can fight with security. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we, we, can, we can fight. We know nobody's going to run out of the relationship. Yes. There's a lot of security in that. I love what Andrew Womack said. He goes, him and Jamie, they would have rather murder each other than divorce. <laughs> That, that's probably a good, you know, Where I go to the gym, um, one of the men there, he he is just like, he goes, my wife and I, when we get upset with each other, we sit on the, on the sofa and watch a movie together or something until we get calm. We don't talk about it. We just get calm. We will sit together, though. We will sit together until we can talk to each other, watch a movie, watch a program. And he said, that's how we deal with it. He goes, then eventually we talk about it. He goes, but the moment where we get angry, something's going on, he goes, we stop. And we go, this is it. Let's sit and watch some, a TV or something just to give. That wouldn't work for me. I got to run my mouth when I get mad. 
Can I go for a walk? Then she comes back. Not like what she said, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, people don't get the premarital account because, you know, the last year or so I've had two people come to me, you know, like, well, you know, you know, with your married now, it's like, okay, well, you got to have counseling. I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm counseling. Yeah. And, and they, they don't want to like, do it. Because I'm not going to do that. And you don't understand what you're doing. I'm like, hey, I didn't get it. They were rough. I mean, I had to learn something. The fear of God. Right. I mean, really, to understand what you're entering into because you're making a vow. Right. <laughs> and so I won't do it. I won't. It's like, unless you agree to like three, four months of count. Um, and you know, I think we didn't used to, you know, have to teach this to people. We became in such a different society, like a hundred years ago, even maybe fifty years ago, maybe fifty years ago. And I go like, today you have to instruct people with that. And another thing, again, these YouTube videos, not that I'm or anything, but I watch them once in a while. And a young, uh, young lady did one. And she was again reviewing a lady who had said, "Oh well, you know, I grew out of my husband and." The advice I'd give to 20-something-year-olds, she's like in her 30s now, I changed, he changed, and I just wasn't in love with him anymore, and blah, 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 blah. And then the young lady who was doing the video, she goes, you know what? The one thing I will agree with this girl or this woman over is um, maybe she shouldn't have got married in her 20s. She goes, and not that I don't I believe in this crap, and she considered it. You have to have a career before you get married and all this. She goes, but she did not have a good um, look on marriage to begin with. It was not about growing out of her husband. It was she was supposed to grow with him. She made that commitment. Like you just said, a covenant. It made me think. I go, and this is not even a Christian, like, founded thing like we're talking about here. And they're mm-hmm. talking about, I go, yeah, I go, we don't understand anymore what love really is about and commitment and stuff, you know, and covenant. You know? We always heard, don't marry somebody that you can't, that you want to live with, marry somebody that you can't live without. Remember? The, Jim or the counselor? She couldn't live without him. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like Satan has really come against, you know, to to make Christian marriages look worse because, say, a non-Christian marriage or 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 non-disciple Christian marriage, he's not as threatened with meaning Satan. But a Christian marriage, if they're disciple, I mean, there's a lot of threat to his kingdom. As far as, you know, Matthew, the two of you agree on earth, tell everybody ask. Jesus says, Father, we'll do it for us. And, and he can disarm, kind of disarm that by causing some division amongst the, you know, because your emotions get all involved. And, and, you know, it's just a whole lot going on. So you really not, you know, probably praying, you know, or or 
feel empowered or praying with power like you would because you got a big, a big disagreement with the one you're in covenant with and you're supposed to be one with. And then you got scriptures like in where it says, husband, don't be bitter against your wives or your prayers will get hindered. Satan knows that scripture, you know, so I just think he's really coming against and, you know, he don't care that much about secular marriages, you know, because that's not his problem. His problem is the body of Christ. And it just seems like marriage, he hits there, it just kind of almost throws everything off. You know, you, it'll, you know, you, it'll just t- ruin your day, you know, you, you know, the next day, the next day before you know it. And it's, before you know it, it's the end of the week and another week is starting because you're supposed to be in covenant with that person and y'all supposed to be one. So really, it's like yourself is the problem because y'all are one. That makes sense. Mm, that's good. So as we're looking at all this, all right, you know, the different temptations, the attacks on trusting what God said and, and resting on that for these these needs and desires, right? All right. So how do we allow ourselves to get rooted in in in, in entrenched in that place where we are trusting him. My thing is the word. I mean, you can't, there's no way in the world you can really um, trust God without having his promises in your faith constantly. Reminding yourself of what the promises are. Because, you know, we I have, say- yeah, go ahead. <laughs> So I'm saying verse six is the answer. Is that verse six of oh what? problems three? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm gonna read in the Amplified Classic says, "In all your ways." Know, recognize, and acknowledge him. And he would direct and make straight and plain your paths. Then you go to seven, be not wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord. Being wise in your own eyes means that you, you have a thought you think that surpasses God's thoughts. If you're wise in your own eyes, God may tell you something, and you may get thought, you know, I don't think I'll do that, I think I'll do this. And you have to really be careful. And what Eric was talking about, keeping the promises and steady in front of your face, mm-hmm. right? And this is a part of the the protocol from verse six here, because you know we everything that you see in in culture is going to speak to the exact opposite of what we're talking about, you know. And the, the contrary evidence is going to be presented in your face. So if if the word does not have a prominent place in my life, 
then sooner or later, this the experiences and circumstances on, are going to become my doctrine instead of the word. Or it, it, it'll morph into this kind of weird mixture where I'm, I'm double-minded. I'm looking at things through the lens of trying to look at things through the lens of scripture in one eye, but looking at things through the lens of the world with the other eye. And we, you know what the scripture says about a double-minded man. I think, um, you know, along with what Eric was saying too about having his promises in front of you, the word, and that's his love there, right? And being reminded of his love and that helps you do what it says, trust the Lord. But I think that's what we don't do. We, like Julie said, we, we're so focused on the culture because, you know, and that's what we see. You know, you're watching TV, you do your work, and you hear things. Everybody and we're bombarded that. by, you know, what the culture says, what society says, mm -hmm. and but we never spend time putting, you know, the promises before our face, you know, and so we don't know. So we get more influenced by what the world's saying versus what the word's saying. So you end up saying, well, you know, maybe I can do this, even though, you know, you may have some idea what the word says, but maybe... You know, and then some. Then if you see somebody else doing it and being successful, then where well, they did it, so me, you know, or then there's some compromise there. Well, I do it, but you know, six months down the road, so. But that's why I say it's important to keep the promises in your eyes, and then of course you have to believe what they're saying. Mm -hmm. I don't think we, I'll speak for myself, I realized this weekend I was listening to um, Robin Bullock was being interviewed on Elijah Streams, and he was talking about covenant, and that when you, and he said that Western cultures really don't understand covenant. It's not a Western mindset, and so we don't understand that when you make covenant, you can demand from the other person. And because if you get a list of curses and you get a list of blessings, if you break this covenant, these are the curses that are going to come on you to four generations. You break this covenant, all, all your family is going to be killed. If you keep this covenant, all these blessings. And you can now put, if I were to go into covenant with you, you can demand of me anything. And I can demand anything of you. And I know Jerry Sabell has taught a lot, and I need to look up where the scripture is. I forgot. There's a scripture that says, Command ye me, the Lord says, and people would object and oh, you can't do that. Says, well, that's a religious mindset. If you're in covenant with someone, you can. And he, and he said, if you study tri tribal people understand covenant and they understand how it works. And he told the story of Livingston and Stanley going to hunt for him in the mid, in the inland of Africa, mm -hmm. and he had to make a covenant with a, a chief, and the chief got his goat, which he needed because he had stomach ulcers and he needed to drink the goat milk, and that chief wanted his goat, so his interpreter said, "You better give him the goat," 
And so he did, and all he got, he thought, was a stick, a staff, and it had copper. Anyway, he felt like he had gotten the bad end of the deal. But as he started to make his way into the interior of Africa, uh, a tribe was coming against him and to fight. And as soon as they saw that stick, they all got down on the ground and bowed down to him. And that's how he found Livingston, because they took him. But because of that covenant that he made, but it was ex explained, he said he heard the chief making all these curses. What is he saying? He says he's cur those are curses. And he <laughs> says because if you don't uphold your end of the covenant, but he was talking about different times when he's just gone to God and said, "This is what your word says," and I demand, I put a demand on this word, and most oh, God strike you down this. No, I think actually it pleases God that we will be bold enough to say, This is your word. You're not a man that you should lie. I expect it. And it's not irreverent. God's waiting for us to get angry enough to have enough faith to start saying, It's mine. I take it. You know, that it really moved me. Kim Coco has a new book out on covenant, so I'm going to order it. But I realized, no, I don't I don't really understand. I mean, I know. All the things that you go through, the physical things to make covenant, but I don't understand everything that it means. And I think if we knew that, we would have more boldness before the Lord and to do the things, to, to believe what he tells us. It's a whole lot stronger than what it's been just a promise. Right. Right? It's mm -hmm. yeah. covenant. So that's, that's my goal amazing. for this year to start studying that out. That's good. Hey. Excellent. His daughter was born, his first child was born with a, a, a nerve in her arm. It was just like this little paper line in it, like somebody had pinched it and she couldn't, it was paralyzed. And they told her she would never, they said she'll never be able to use it. Maybe when she's 12, we can operate and do something. And Robin was kind of a new believer and he studied, he listened to, to Kenneth Copeland and he said, I did get one thing, I got faith. And I know what the, you know, I know what works. And he says, all I hear is other people just making excuses why it doesn't work. Right. Oh boy, that grabbed me. <laughs> and so he went to the hospital to, to see his wife, and he took his body and he went in the hallway and he held that book up and he said, "That's there's nothing in your covenant to me that includes a child with a paralyzed arm." By the time he got in the room, he was playing with her arm, and she jerked her arm back. And they called the doctor in, and he's patronizing them. He said, well, you know, I told you. And he's playing with her arm. And she grabbed her arm back. He left, and he didn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> and then he told, he told, this was the head overall. This was like 9 o'clock at night, the head of all the doctors. And they called for the baby to come down. They did another x-ray. Brand new nerve. Big, oh, thick, man. brand new nerve in her arm. I know, it's wonderful. And he said, no, God, Steve Schultz was saying, there was a time in my life I had been sick for seven years, under 100 pounds. And he said, I just got so mad one night. He said, I started saying that. And, and then the next day he woke up, and it was the first time in seven years that he had any appetite, and he started, he came back after that. And then he told Robin another case, and he said, I said to God, I don't want to be so mad that I talk to you like that. <laughs> Robin said, no, no, no. God's not moved by your emotion. He understands. He's been waiting for you. If it took anger for you to demand what's yours, you know that verb, that, that verb in Matthew or in Mark 11, 23, 24, receive is literally take. 
Well, if you take it, you have a full confidence that it's yours, right? You're not borrowing it. You're not taking it. That's aggressive. Combole it. I highly recommend if anybody wants to watch that. It was on Elijah's stream Saturday night. It's really good. That's good. That's awesome. What was that, Terry? It said it was live stream. Elijah streams. It's um, on Rumble. If you just Google Rumble or, or Elijah Streams, you can. It says Elijah Streams on Rumble. You can you can watch it. It's a daily program, but Saturday night was a special. It's hot in here. Nobody's hot but me. You gotta fix one. That's yeah. because I was led by the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> and you think I'm kidding, and I'm not. Because I never know what to wear. Hello, hi. And it's so cold outside. Yeah. And I said, "Well, I'm covered." And I was like, "Next week, I'll get three things. I three things if I need to be prepared." <laughs> oh my Damn. God! No, it's hot in here, and I'm almost hot yeah. with what I have on. So I just, but well, you know, would, in my bathing suit, I don't think it would be going right. very so. well. But now, just to close on that, you know, what what Terry closed out on, how having that type of understanding of our relationship with the Lord, right? It That's what is going to give us the foundation to be dependent on him. Because if we know that our relationship with him is, is that clad tight sealed when you cut a covenant you're putting your life on the line that you're going to do with that covenant when they used to cut covenants in the old days what if those people if one of them didn't uphold their outside of the covenant they died i mean it, 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 so if we have that kind of covenant with god when you get to a promise of god you can say i got your word right here and this is your promise and i'm standing on this this is our covenant and and i won't i won't allow me, me not to walk in this that you call me to walk in. Yeah. And our Lord died to, to place his spirit on the inside of us. So whatever we face, we can keep our eyes fixed on him, the author and the finisher of our faith. Do you have their email addresses? Mm -mm. Oh, so I could email that show to you. And, you could and every trial know. comes to an end. Every trial has a shelf life. No matter what you think you're going through, it's going to end. <clears throat> that's the essence. That's, yeah? that's another mother. There right preached there. a strong message while you uh, stepped out there, Gene. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I was just telling what we watched Robin Brooks oh, yeah. interview yeah. with Steve. Sorry, Jesus, I mean to cut you off. No, you're good. You're good. You're good. Yeah. I, I just I'm just thinking about my my mug business that I'm getting ready to start. <laughs> All right. That's right. Yeah. Your your trial has an expiration date. All right. Are you walking by faith or are you walking by feedback? I got two slogans right there. All right. All right. All right, social media family. Thank you for joining us. And we will see y'all next week. Good night, everybody. Bye. Bye.